I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. It's Memorial Day week, but uh, we persevere. And uh, there's a lot to talk about uh, in regards to Ohio State football, uh, what's coming, what could be coming uh, down the road for Ohio State in a recruiting game. And, of course, I'm talking about, you know, the still ongoing pursuit of JT uh, Tui Molowau, uh, defensive end from the state of Washington. You know, you can read the tea leaves all you want, maybe read that maybe Ohio State could be second in in, in the chase to, uh, to run him down. Obviously, he will be eligible for the 2021 season, uh, probably the, la- the last great leaf hanging on that tree. And Ohio State would definitely like to get him. And in that regard, I'm going to be talking with our resident expert on recruiting, Jeremy Birmingham, at uh, LettermanRow.com. But we're going to break that down a little bit more. And, you know, he's been doing that the last several weeks. But uh, what is Ohio State's real chance at getting the last real plum of the 2021 recruiting class? You know, but before that, I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Corey M. Teague, you remember him. I've had him on, had him on several times last year uh, during the pandemic uh, shutdown, whatever you want to call it, when Ohio State parents were among the many groups that were fighting uh, to have a football season in the fall uh, for the Big Ten. And basically got him on to react to what came out a week ago from the emails, et cetera, that were exchanged during that time. Uh, between the Big Ten and, I guess, Dr. Christina M. Johnson, the uh, the president of Ohio State, and uh, Gene Smith in the pursuit of having that season, and the idea that uh, the Football Parents Association of Ohio State uh, were led into a manufactured uh, assault on the Big Ten, the Big Ten office, and the Big Ten commissioner. I want to get his take because I know uh, I knew it was going to be a good one. So without further ado, let's move on to my conversation with Dr. Corey M. Teague, a.k.a. the father of Master Teague III, Ohio State running back. Turn performance, uh, encore performance, so it's three or four encores, isn't it? Dr. Corey M. Teague uh, on the Tim May podcast. You and I got to know each other pretty well last fall when shenanigans were going on, correct? That's correct. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we did. So thank, thanks for having me uh, again, you know, on the invitation. Uh, that's not something you have to do. And uh, so I appreciate the invitation. Oh, no, man. I mean, I appreciate you coming on, especially this week. You know, it's Memorial Day uh, uh, holiday, maybe the is what they may call it. But, you know, it's a kind of a uh, a day when you remember those who've given their lives for our country this, this week and stuff. And uh, But I wanted to move on with a situation that came up last week, as you're well aware of, that uh, it was revealed through an email dump. Uh, through Freedom of Information Act that, uh, in fact, during that time when when you guys, you guys meaning you parents, the Football Parents Association of Ohio State had written a letter and were uh, pretty concerted in your efforts to try to get a fall football season. Uh, at one point, the uh, commissioner of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, referred to it as a manufactured effort by Ohio State, uh, meaning, you know, everybody – was in cahoots. Uh, it was a, 
almost a conspiracy to try to bring pressure on the Big Ten and the, and the commissioner. No matter whether it was or not, I mean, it worked. But uh, what was your reaction when you heard that? Because of, you know, I just remember I had you on my podcast last year a couple of times just talking about y'all's efforts. And just kind of what was your reaction to hearing that it was sort of being scoffed at to begin with, at least? Well, I'd say my first reaction was to just try to figure out what, you know, where was this coming from in the sense of, you know, how did this information uh, become known to us? And uh, like you said, there's, it was some, like some, some messages that were sent. And so uh, my initial response is, you know, I, I, I was trying to just clarify in my own mind what's happening today uh, with that, with that sentiment, but then, understanding that uh, this was something that happened during that time. And then so the, so the claim that it was manufactured, I'm thinking, well, manufactured by who? You know, who, who, is, this, who is he saying manufactured this? Uh, and then so I'm thinking, well, you know, is that a true statement? Or is that a statement that uh, not, it's not quite true? So did he really feel like it was manufactured? Or was that... Uh, something that he was saying to, uh, and, and I'm, you know, I hadn't landed anywhere on this. This is just me thinking out loud because yeah. yeah. I know <clears throat> the response to, you know, the parents speaking up was uh, less than, uh, you know, a, a professional, less than appropriate. So, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know if someone would make that statement to, you know, now they have an alibi to, uh, is the reason why they weren't responding? Uh, or did they truly believe it was manufactured? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in the end, I do hope that uh, it was it was realized that the letter was not manufactured. It was parents that uh, were actually uh, leading this charge. You know, we would definitely consult with each other. We definitely would consult with the, uh, our sons and uh, the coaches just to make sure that, you know, we weren't – our wishes and our desires to, to be outspoken weren't uh, out of line. So – to hear that uh, uh, it was thought of as being manufactured, I mean, that's unfortunate, uh, but hopefully, you know, that person, you know, came around to understanding uh, that it was not. Yeah, I think the, I think the intent, the way I read it was that uh, there was the, the question of whether Ohio State was urging you parents to protest to the, to the commissioner, to the Big Ten, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, uh, that was what was interesting to me was that, uh, you know, but even if that had been the case, what would have been, what would have been wrong with that? So I looked at it, you know, but uh, I don't think that was the case. I mean, I remember talking to you on my podcast. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys were, I don't know if incensed is the right word. You just didn't really understand why the parents weren't being, you know, the parents of these players, like you talked about, you know, you kind of, you kind of sign off in your mind a little bit of a waiver to let your son play football in the first place. Remember, we talked yeah. about that. I mean, because things can happen as you as, as you and your son have found out, things can happen when you play football, and some of them aren't good. And uh, yeah, I, I think that was the y'all felt almost like you were screaming into the wind at one point, didn't you? I mean, that's that had to be the feeling. Oh yeah, that was yeah. I mean, reflect on that. You know, someone even said, you know, some wounds. You know, that information coming out opened some wounds you know, it does have you to reflect again. And when you think about that time, it's just like, uh, man, you are beating a dead horse almost. 
in the sense of you got to get in a response. And uh, I would say, and if I hadn't already said it, it, you know, you know, us parents, we got together frequently through text, through phone, through, uh, and all of that was our uh, things that we talked about and prayed about and decided to, uh, this is what we wanted to do. Yeah. And so then we talked to our sons about it. We talked to, you know, so no one, definitely no one uh, came to us and said, hey, you know, you need to start fanning some, some flames here. It was, I mean, as far farthest from the truth as it was, it was definitely parent initiated. Uh, yeah, I just don't, yeah. If, in, in, even if it wasn't like you said, you know, I might have questions. If, if I, you know, if we didn't want to be on board with that. I think we just wouldn't have been on board with it. I don't think uh, the coaches would have, you know, definitely uh, uh, motivated something like that if we weren't on board with it. But we, and they did not. And so we definitely initiated it. And I did read the letter that we responded to this incident uh, of the information being leaked. I, I looked at that letter. I'll tell you, I wasn't a part of that one. I was a part of the one that we wrote back in the fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's just so many of us. And so we take turns as far as, you know, how, how we evolve, but they do send it out and everyone, if anyone disagrees and we, we can talk about that, but I think the letter was appropriate uh, in the sense of uh, just, re, just restating, you know, what we were trying to do and that we just want to do better. You know, you're a professor at the Middle Tennessee State University. You've got all kinds of things going on in your life. But uh, what did you learn? Uh, you know, if you had to teach a lesson on what went on last fall, what would be sort of the gist of it uh, about y- y'all's fight for your son's right to play football? I didn't mean to rhyme all that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, what did you learn most of all, Dr. Teague, about just opening you know, sometimes there is a moment when you have to open your mouth, you know, and speak up. I mean, what, what, what's just, what did you learn from all of that? Well, you know, you just learned it. Uh, I mean, I do understand people can have different points of view. Uh, you know, I do learn, I do know that, you know, but when it's on such a large scale like that, uh, you really do. I think it just makes communication that more important. Uh, and I think you have to be able to, look at all the different facets, you know, and I'm trying to think from a, from the, the point of view, if, if I was a commissioner and dealing with schools and uh, a lot of people that I don't just, uh, you know, I don't have a linear uh, view about it. You know, I'm only going to talk to these people and not these people because you're going to miss something. And uh, if you miss something that's uh, pretty pertinent uh, and then you haven't truly un- unpacked the bag to see what's all in it. And so I think definitely, uh, you know, everyone that's involved, it's kind of like, a, you know, family therapy, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing family therapy, I, I, I got to talk to everyone in the family. Yeah. I can't, I can't just talk to the dad and, and not talk to the children or mom. You know, I can't just, you know, talk to the kids and not, so we have to, uh, you, you really need to have a, uh, you need to get the whole system involved. So then you walk away with a, uh, true picture of what's going on and what people desire. And you may learn something uh, that you didn't know. So, did you take pride? Did did you take pride in the way y'all responded as you look back on it now? Did you? What's that? What's what term would you use on finally hearing your getting your voice heard, et cetera? Because clearly y'all played a huge role in that, along with you know the parents from Nebraska and other schools that wanted it, Iowa. I don't know. Is pride the right word, or you just go, "Wow, why did it take so long?" I mean, what, what, what's what's the? What's well, I, I'll tell you, man. I, I, 
I admire uh, the, the the parents, you know, yeah. and, and, and I have, uh, you know, a, a deeper respect for uh, just, you know, parental organizations. And, and I say respect for the ones that the, the, from the other schools and how in the end, you know, we, we just want the best for our sons. Yeah, they compete against each other and want to, you know, beat each other up pretty good, which is, you know, it's, that's just the sport, right? Yeah. So, but to be able to come together, uh, that, that was pretty awesome. And so I do, I admire it. I, uh, I look back on it and, I, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, thankful to see um, you know, everyone's input and even the, 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 the uh, our players. And of course, you know, with Justin, with what he did. And uh, so it is, it is, a, it, it, I guess I can say, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a cherished moment in the sense of just, you, you, you have some adversity. It didn't feel good. Felt, didn't feel good. Uh, but it's definitely something there where you we had some adversity uh, and was able to push through and still hopefully keep our integrity integrity intact uh, yeah. in the process. Wow. Yeah. You, know, you kind of want to put 2020 behind you, you know what I mean, with uh, as, as you gain 2020 vision into 2021 and stuff. But uh, it is an interesting uh, – I don't really like looking back too much myself, but, uh, but the bottom line is – Y'all, y'all were uh, effective, and your team, your sons did get to the national championship game. Uh, the that's what I think Ryan Day was concerned about. What Gene Smith, and I had him on my podcast last week. We were talking about this was a special team. He thought, you know, at Ohio State, and I'm not sure that team got to reach its full bloom, you know, because of yeah. restrictions in practice, just all they dealt with and stuff. Is yeah. it back just on the football team and, you know, and your son, um, Master Teague third, you know, starting running back, et cetera, returning this year and stuff. But did, did you feel like you got it ever, ever got there, except maybe the Clemson game, ever got to see what that team was totally all about, if you follow my drift there? I mean, uh, no, because no. of, yeah. No, I agree with that. I don't think we were able to see what they're all about. Uh, just the structure of the season itself and starting late and uh, but then you know and then trying to get you get your work in and um, just the way things were structured were great was great for safety uh, but then the question marks and then I'll just even say you know we we didn't play the team up north and so uh, you know a lot of times that game shows us what we got and uh, I was teasing master uh, a little bit after the season and saying well I think you were are you going to return because you want to get another shot at them? And uh, yeah, I know that's not the only reason he's returning, but uh, uh, that, 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 that was, uh, you know, a big hit. I think when I think about the season and like one game that we didn't get to play. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I do. I do. I think that, man, it's, uh, it was, it, it, you know, we, it's a situation you had to adjust to. Uh, but, you know, when you think about it from that aspect of course, yeah, it's uh, one of those seasons where uh, you really wonder, you know, did you reach your ceiling yeah. as it relates to the performance and just that the team gelling and all that, that that type of thing. Hey, looking back, to how proud, how proud of your son is the correct term. I always like to get try to get the correct term, but I just throw a word out there and see what you think. But, I mean, your son suffered an Achilles injury in March of last year, just before the COVID shutdown. And what, I don't know, how proud were you uh, to watch him work so hard to get back on the field? But was he ever just 
ever 100 percent, do you think, last year as you look back on it, uh, Dr. T? Yeah, it's hard to, you know, I definitely was uh, amazed and, and was thankful and, you know, I guess too proud of him and his efforts to get back on that field after having that Achilles. And, um, you know, Master has gone back and watched every game from last year. And uh, he did say to me in a conversation, you know, because it's hard to it's hard to gauge, uh, in, you know, from the from my seat in the sense of uh, watching him play on the field. And, um, you definitely can see improvement. But if something is, you know, I, you know, he definitely believes that uh, the Achilles uh, didn't keep him from playing, didn't keep him from uh, going at it his hardest, but just not having that training uh, that you would have had the spring training and then having the full fall camp and stuff like that. And then going into a season, he definitely believes that, uh, that Achilles, if, if, if compared to if it didn't happen slow. Yeah. You know, um, so, um, but it, it wasn't bothering him, but it's just that, it's just that if you understand football and progression of development, you know, I think a player can tell, uh, I'm not, I'm not, at my best right now, or uh, at least in the in the in the in the in the uh, the season of the development that I'm in right now, you know. And so I think he did see that, and thus, you know, even when he goes back and watch film, that uh, uh, you know those guys have taught to critique that film and not just you know look at highlights, but where was I? Uh, just where can I do better? So, but I do. I am. I am. I guess I am proud of that, <clears throat> and I'm proud of the, the, how these guys got through the season because, man, this season was tough, you know, and being a parent on the outside looking in and knowing your your, your, your child and talking to other parents and how uh, this emotionally uh, draining this season was and, you know, trying to isolate. And uh, so basically all you're doing is football and classes. You know, there's really no – not a lot of social going on, and that's uh, – that's, uh, you know, that's draining, uh, especially if you're a social person. I know Master's a little more uh, introverted, but still, man, you did, you definitely need to be able to uh, be a well-rounded person. I know the situation didn't allow for that, but it was, so it was a tough season. You know, it was roller coaster, but I do think these young men probably came out of that, man, they're, they're, it sharpened them, it stretched them. It, and so now they are probably in the position to, you know, handle adversity a little better. Yeah. And so that that's a blessing of it. That's silver lining in it. And then, like you said, we made it to the championship. Um, and that, that's looking back at that and being able to do that. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so um, hmm. all it comes together, it uh, it's not too ugly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. How primed is Master for this coming season? I mean, you know, every time Ohio State drops a little nugget of him or a video of him and stuff, I'm not sure he's ever been in better looking shape, <laughs> you know. But uh, how would you describe his hunger, his desire? Obviously, he's got those young, all those young guys around him and stuff. And they all want to play. You know, or, you know how running backs think. I would think. Yeah. But uh, how primed is he to to for no one of another term show out this year? <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, man, he's, um, I mean, I can talk about some things that he's, do that he's focusing on, but he is, he is, he is locked in. He's keyed in. 
Uh, I mean, from all aspects. Uh, like I said, he went back and watched every game. Uh, after the season was over, he watched every game. He did some of that by himself. He, a couple of teammates maybe joined him a couple of times. He's been, uh, of course, he continues to, you know, Alfred and them continues to develop them within that aspect. And, yeah. and so we'll uh, spend time with Coach Day in the film room as well, just seeing those two. Uh, Master has, you know, Master really doesn't have, uh, hasn't had a lot of, uh, when we think about his his progress and just his body, you know, they teach those guys to be professionals with even in that and just learning your body and knowing what's going on. And so he's, uh, really focused on that uh, because a lot of his, you know, if he has to miss practice or something like that, it's usually off season stuff. It's not really something during the season. I know this past season, you know, he bumped his head and got had a little concussion there. Yeah. Uh, so he was, uh, uh, you know, it's great though. We had, you know, a backup there that could come in and do do his thing. Yeah. And so great. And so, uh, but he, he's learned that it's off season stuff that maybe hinders him as it relates to going into practices. So, you know, a guy his size and that and as fast and as but but as big as he is, you have the tendency to uh uh and this is something he's sharing with me. So I'm yeah. sharing what he shared with me. You have yeah. tendency maybe put a lot of strain on I guess what they call small tissue. Yeah. Uh, strain and stuff like that. So you know he's definitely man, he's been uh paying attention to that he got the nutritionist lady to uh she's making some meals for him but at the same time she's making some type of uh uh drinks and stuff for him too for that hydration because he's uh he's just definitely a sweater and so he won't have those uh little small injuries that you know kind of you know ding he said, oh you got a little ding here you got a little ding there that stuff heals up but uh when you if it causes you to miss then you know it's just causing you to you know, you yeah. gotta try to catch up on your development, but you know, he so he he's he's very healthy right now, and and so he's focuses on that. And Masters uh, also he's dialed in in the sense of because uh, he's a he's a he's an overachiever, mm-hmm. he's a competitor, and you know, making him do a great job and uh, with competition with those guys, and so um, so they compete a lot, even in the off season. You know, they're competing, they're competing, they're competing, and Master with his overachievement mentality and he always wants to win wants to win even in drills yeah so you know we had to talk about that we talked about that as well that because the mickey them also tell him to not overextend yourself that's when you hurt yourself and so uh that uh to stay within himself when he's doing those drills you know so then fall camp come he's fully healthy and um he can get the full breast of that you i don't know if you probably remember i think it was 2019 when uh, JK's last year, uh, I think I'm saying it, yeah, right. And, you know, he missed some fall then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. And then, of course, this spring, uh, some things. But uh, he is, with everything I'm just saying here with the film, with the, you know, watching it with different people, watching him, his uh, diet and uh, his, his uh, hydration. And then he's just going out there doing the work that he knows to do. He's already started. Uh, Watching film on Minnesota, he started that back in, uh, I want to say, the end of April, beginning of May. He's already watching film on them. Uh, so he's just, you know, getting his mind right, and he's, uh, you know, hoping to have a, a great year. 
I was going to say, you know, I mean, O.J. Simpson has quite the reputation for a lot of bad things, obviously. But one of the great things about him, when he was a running back, for example, uh, a lot of people thought he had omnivision, but really he studied stuff so much. He kind of knew where defenses, defensive guys were going to be even before they did, you know? I mean, yeah. that's part of the trick, right? Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, get, yeah. hit as, get hit as few times as possible uh, and know yeah. where people are coming from. And, uh, yeah. yeah, people, I think they discount that about running backs. They just think they get the ball, see the hole, and go, you know? run through a tackle, but it there is a lot of study involved for the ones who want to be elite, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, even here Coach Day talk about his interviews uh, about making decisions on the field, being having to be too reactive as opposed to that instinct. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you do have to react, but if you spend a whole game reacting, then you you really not uh, – and and studied hadn't done your job. Yeah. <laughs> in a, uh, who, who am I playing against here? And understanding what they do, and and so uh, you know, I'm uh yeah, he's uh he's he's dialed in, man. He's uh, again, you know, when you think about your kid, and you, you just you you just amazed at uh, uh, some of the things that uh, uh, I'm sure some of that comes from his development up there. And when he talks to me about it, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's good stuff. And so they do a great job with those guys, and yeah. you know, yeah. like you said, he's uh, he guys got you got guys on the team that can uh, be of help. And as you know, because one guy can't, you know, do that on his own. And I think that it just makes you, I don't know, it makes you better. I do, but you know, I think I, I do always look back to that year and uh, JK's last year, he had a great year and uh, Master had a good year that year. But I think when you just have, you know, a good uh, tandem there, the guy that's whoever, both guys do well. Uh, JK had a, able to you know he was the guy and he was uh, uh, the bell cow there but to have someone behind you like that uh, I think it just makes you better and so I think master's situation and you know he got you know I hear different things about you know there's a lot of guys in the room and uh, I guess you can we can say that it is and they're all hungry and they should be yeah when you bring guys in hopefully and I'm sure at a program like Ohio State they're wondering are they wanting, are they expecting, or they can see that this guy can come in and, and compete with the guys that are here. You know, they may not, uh, even if they don't win the day, uh, they are competing. And so when it's their time, they're, they're ready to go. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, how that all plays out uh, with those guys because uh, it seems like definitely you have uh, – an opportunity to, to, to just produce, continue to produce in the run game. So, yeah. uh, and, uh, cause I know Mash will be ready. And then I know we, well, we got, you know, the other guys that are there, like you said, with mine and Crawley and Steele and, uh, Henderson Henderson. And, uh prior. And prior. Yeah. So it's, uh, man, that's, uh, you, <laughs> you got some, uh, you got some heat there. And so, it's, I mean, that, that there is a blessing, you know, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. And it would have new, you know, with our quarterbacks and things. Is uh, that that uh, situation, which is I'm not saying it's a situation in in a bad sense, but it's uh, uh, you know, they'll be new to, to whoever started there. Be new to that, but they, man, they got you got guys around you. Yeah, that, you know, with our receivers and everything, from tight ends, receivers, alignment. I mean, it just looks looks nice. It looks good. I, I look forward to. 
you know, how it plays out. Master's always saying good things about his teammates and how they're working. And uh, so he's optimistic and very, you know, it's always, it's kind of like, man, we, we, you know, this and this may be better than the previous year. This and this may be better. So it's, uh, it's good things. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, if I was a quarterback, I wouldn't mind stepping in and driving that car. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. when You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Racing uh, truck, really, is what it is. Man, that's <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, just settle in and enjoy the ride on that one. Yeah, push the gas, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to talk to you real quick, man, uh, about you. And, uh, you, you know, I'm continually seeing on Twitter and stuff and social media – you reaching out, you speaking to groups, et cetera. I know you've got this uh, nice uh, situation coming up where you're going to speak to a, a group in Hong Kong, uh, as a matter of fact, halfway around the world, so to speak. But kind of bring people up to date where where you are in that regard and uh, in what you're all about other than just teaching, if you follow my drift. Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, the Lord has blessed me to uh, do different things. You know, it's uh, I do teach. Uh, I've been doing that for about 15 years. Uh, my wife and I, we definitely, we have a practice as well where we do counseling, uh, different types of counseling. We do assessment. Uh, we also, we do, uh, our, our group, we do assessments for even like law enforcement in the sense of, uh, people that's going to carry weapons. Um, and so we do, you know, our, our office does, uh, things like that. And so we work with individuals and couples, but the Hong Kong situation, um, is uh, an opportunity that came my way just by keeping in contact with a gentleman I met probably about 10 years ago. He's from Hong Kong. He's the uh, head honcho at the uh, called Hong, Kong, Hong Kong Institute of Christian Counselors is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he invited me to teach a family therapy course. And so I've been doing that for the last two weeks. Uh, we're doing it uh, long distance. Uh, and it's been a, it's been a, it's been a great experience. It's been unique. It's been an experience that stretched me. Uh, you, you, you are uh, teaching people who, uh, you know, their first uh, language met definitely not English. So we're all in there and we're, 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 uh, they're trying to learn. I'm teaching and I had to just, uh, you know, stay focused on my material and, and hopefully that they're getting, I do have an assistant in there that is kind of translate. So I do that. I've been invited to do that and I hope to go over there uh, to Hong Kong uh, maybe next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, get my wife's blessing on that. Travel across the seas, you know. Yes. <laughs> That's always important, by the way. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah I got to get her blessing on that. And uh, that'd be a great thing. And then, you know, I, I've, I've spoken at uh, different places, you know, here in, my, in the community as well. People yeah. like to talk about different things, go to talk to teams. I've spoken at churches. I've, I've uh, done that. So it's just a different a lot of different things. And so, uh, you know, I also uh, write books as well. So I've written books on different topics uh, from addiction to uh, marriage to uh, just a, a book itself on just psychology. And so uh, I do uh, different things, man. I, I just try to be guided in that. I'm, I'm a, I'm a broad, I think big, but then I have to pray about things and kind of, kind of shrink it back in into yeah. the sense of what I can handle with my time because uh, I am, it does take time, but uh, I've actually been blessed that it really doesn't take too much time from the family. Uh, and I, so I still get to be with my kids and uh, be with my wife and uh, so to make sure that their needs are met and that they are uh, 
you know, especially with the kids or the characters uh, growing there. Yeah. And they uh, going to be productive people as they, as they age. See, that's why I wanted to get your take on the, uh, the big 10 thing, because you struck me from the first time I met you that, wait a minute, Dr. Corey M. Teague's not going to be a manufactured, <laughs> you know, uh, He's, he's not going to be part of something unless he believes in that thing, no matter what anyone else would lead him to say. But I want to get back to something real quick. So you got you and your wife, you, 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 y'all do assessments even on uh, police officers. I mean, uh, get back to that little part that you uh, threw in there a while ago. I mean, yeah, we do uh, uh, do assessments. It's a, it's a process. It's about three hours. It's, uh, it's myself and my wife and then uh, Dr. Uh, Named Dr. Beasley, but uh, yeah, we do that. So if the if Rutherford County uh, is hiring someone for the sheriff's department there, uh, you know they can be patrolled. They could be uh, going into the detention center. We also have a work center here, and so they come in and they um, they do one. They have a, a structured interview, yeah, um, and then we they have a, a, a battery of uh, of assessments that they do on the computer. Uh, we get that, we get all that information and of course we interpret it. And uh, so it's, it's more than just one eye, one, one, one person looking at it. It's myself. And most of the time it's myself and uh, Dr. Beasley. Uh, and then it's signed off on it's, you know, person's qualified or not qualified. And we send it over to them and then they uh, make the decision uh, based on, cause they go through other things too, like, you know, background checks, interviews with the, with the, with the department. Sure. Um, and so ours is sort of the last leg, uh, that they do. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, when I was, uh, when we were asked to do it, it that was also something I, uh, was proud to do in the sense of, man, this is a way to give back to the community in the sense of, you know, helping to hope in my mind, hope, helping to put, uh, good people, uh, people that are, uh, I'll use the word decent people, put decent yeah. people. Uh, they want to be in law enforcement into the community, you know, so because because if, if, if our assessments is playing a big role on them being hired then eventually they'll they may be out in the community patrolling. And so hopefully we've you know, helped our department, help the department, help the community to have uh, decent people out there. Yeah, I was going to say, y- y'all are part of the solution, as the old saying goes. I mean, uh, about, you know, everything that's gone on in this past year, including that aspect, you know, uh, that's very interesting to me, Dr. Teague. I mean, yeah. it, you, you do feel that, like you said, you, you, you feel, you feel almost an obligation to be part of that, right? If you get the shot to, to, to be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, that opportunity, you want to turn it down in the sense, especially if we, if we competent in that, if we have the competence to do it. And, uh, you know, I did want to bring some people on, uh, and not just, uh, myself in a sense of, as it, because we all have different licensures and things like that. And so I uh, just want to make sure that we all were uh, competent and it, it was in line with uh, how the state does things. And so we do that. Um, yeah, it is something that, uh, like you said, not to turn down, but be a part of the, the solution. And I'll say we collect a lot, a lot of information about these individuals, probably more than we need to. But in my mind, it's like, you know, if something does go wrong, um, we can go back and look at all of that information and say, okay, what did we miss? Um, what variable here 
play, maybe played a role in this. And so then going forward, we can say, okay, if someone is possibly presenting with such behavior or, you know, something that the assessment is spitting out in the sense of interpretation, uh, we can know that maybe that's a red flag, but yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been, it's been good. We've been doing that, man. I think we've been doing that about four years now, maybe three. Uh, it's probably, we probably into our fourth year. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's been good. It's been rewarding. It's been, you know, you, you, you run into a lot of different types of people that's coming in and wanting to do it. And you run into those say, eh, I don't kind of think that's, you know, I don't think it's going to work out. And then something yeah. like Man, this person seemed like a great fit. So, yeah. Is it, I'm intrigued. I mean, you know, I am intrigued by this, but I wanted to ask one more thing on that because I won't keep you all day. Uh, yeah. uh, and the main thing when you're looking for a law enforcement officer who might be out on the streets and stuff and, and dealing with the public, are you looking for mainly someone, of course, with, as little bias as possible. I think everybody has one way or another brings things to the table, but also from a reactive standpoint, how do they deal with stress? I mean, what, what is, what's the real, what's the real fine line, the, the, the cutting point right there? Yeah, it is. You, you mentioned one thing, so I, three things that pop into mind, but definitely is way more than oh, yeah. things that we consider. But when you think about how someone handles stress, uh, how someone uh, could we do an assessment on, of adjustment? So how they adjust to things. Yeah. Uh, you know that adjustment, uh, and it's not always related to stress, but adjustment. But then also uh, uh, substance abuse. You know, that's definitely. Uh, you know, if someone has that, then they definitely won't be qualified if they have a. If we have some indication that that's that's going on. Uh, and then you also look at, you know, uh, how they handle, uh, you know, criticism. Yeah. You know, yeah. If they have, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of how we, we, we word it in the sense of, you know, if they have some type of rigid, inflexible uh, way of thinking. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, that plays a role. And just a couple, of, you know, a lot of other things as well, you know, if they're, they're dealing with certain things so yeah uh, yeah so yeah you do we do so we try to measure that and even if you get down to because i know some of some of the concerns in our society has been you know how people feel about each other um that type of thing but you can you can uh you can flesh that out as well to some degree uh it's really hard to you know if someone is uh truly and if they're doing something unintentionally right yes because you do have unintentional uh, prejudices and things like that to go on, but uh, uh, but yeah, it is. It, it's a process, and we do try to uh, understand that, and you know, and, and hopefully, like I said, get good people out there on the streets. And the other four hours of the day, you take a nap, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I take my naps on. I try to get naps in on Sunday if I can, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Doctor Teague. It's always a pleasure, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on the Tim May Tim May podcast again. But uh, and we'll be in touch more as this season rolls around, et cetera. And uh, you know, I just got a feeling Master Tig the Third's finally going to come into his total self this fall. And uh, I just think it's going to be an interesting fall, like you said. I mean, you know, when you look at this offense at Ohio State, it's got a chance to be better than last year if that signal caller, that quarterback, you know. And let's face it, he got three three talented guys going for that quarterback spot, you know, and uh, yeah, man. I, yeah, that, 
that spring game was I, I enjoyed watching that. I'm like, man, I, I you know I knew you know we were looking at uh, uh, I know you know two guys that always you know yeah. with, uh, C, uh, CJ. I think I'm saying that right. CJ Stroud, yeah. CJ Jack Miller. Jack Miller, and then you saw the McCord. I think I'm saying it right. Yes. Saw him throw the ball like man, these guys can. We, I mean, that's uh. All those guys are talented. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, Ohio State, you got to admit, Ohio State's got it going on from a recruiting standpoint, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, and you're, you're, you've been part of it, and uh, you still are part of it. So, uh, Dr. Teague, I appreciate it, and we'll, we'll touch bases again, my man. Thank you very okay. much. Are you welcome. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, I really want to thank Dr. Corey M. Teague for joining the Tim May Podcast again to talk about the uh, allegation of a manufactured response by the Football Parents Association of Ohio State and others last year uh, uh, in, in, in dealing with the pandemic and trying to get the Big Ten off the rear end and have the season in the fall instead of possibly the spring and stuff. What a disaster that would have turned into. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy Birmingham? Uh, yeah, Tim, I mean, if you look at how the season played out, it was sort of a disaster for a lot of folks anyway. So imagine it, you know, six months later. I, I guess that you know, all's well that ends well. Ohio State played in the national championship game, and uh, Kevin Warren has proven once again that he is not exactly interested in making friends in his new job as commissioner of the Big Ten. Yeah, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting way to go about uh, steering a conference. But, I'm, you know, I'm sure there was a lot more involved in what I'm thinking, you know, than what we're thinking. But uh, I really appreciate Dr. Corey M. Teague coming on, of course, the father of Master Teague III, and also giving some insight into what's going on with his son right now and also the the running backs room and, you know, Ohio State football in general, especially that offense, it could be potent this year, right, Jeremy? All all about the QB, baby. All about QB. Find someone who can uh, distribute the ball and and get it out quick and not turn it over, and the Buckeyes offense should be as good as any offense in recent history. Yeah, you know, I just got back from covering the Indy 500 again for since – consecutively since 1985. And uh, as I I told Dr. Teague, I mean, this is – this Ohio State offense is just ridiculous car, man. And you just want a quarterback to get in there and push the gas, right? Right. You just need to make sure that you have a pit guy that knows how to put a tire on. Yeah, or take it off. You know, there's right. all, all kinds of things involved there. As long as your lug nut is screwed tightly, that's the important thing. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, always keep your lug nuts tight. And uh, that's the lesson for today. But the reason I've got the inimitable Jeremy Birmingham joining the <clears throat> Tim May podcast this week instead of Awesome Ward uh, is number one, we're recording this on a holiday or holiday, Memorial Day. It's kind of hard to call that a holiday, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is I wanted to get I wanted to get you on uh, to talk about this 
really interesting situation with JT Tui Molowau, uh, the last remaining big-time recruit of the 2021 recruiting cycle. And, you know, even right now as I think about it, I think about him and Jack Sawyer on the same team, freshman. That would be unbelievable if he comes to Ohio State, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he's the number one player in the country for a reason. He's six foot five. He's 280 pounds. He's a good enough athlete to be offered basketball scholarships by Washington and Oregon um, and a good enough athlete that if he wanted to play basketball at Ohio State, they would probably have to consider allowing him to do so. He's big. He's nimble. He's strong. He is, uh, you know, one of those rare players that that separates um, the great teams from the good teams. And he's a player that's so good that even though his recruitment has – extended this long and now here we are June 1st like this is all he's been waiting for Tim is the opportunity to go back and visit the schools that he's interested in because this recruitment could have been over literally 15 months ago if he would have been able to visit Ohio State when he originally scheduled his official visit in March of 2020 um, there was a lot of talk that that visit then was going to be the end of the recruitment and now here we are 15 months later um, and, and it's not that cut and dry, obviously. Uh, there's time separates people from emotions, and you get an opportunity to step back and really view things from a logical standpoint. He's going to take five official visits starting this weekend with the first trip to Washington. Then he's going to take a week off, and then he's taking four official visits in 14 days to USC, to Ohio State, to Oregon, to Alabama. Wow. that's Those are some frequent flyer miles when you think about it, right? It doesn't make sense. I mean, for just from a strictly, you know, logistical standpoint, you would have thought that there could have been like a circuitous route that he took instead of going, you know, like he's going to Washington first, then to USC, then to Ohio, then to Oregon, then to Alabama. Uh, you know, I would have taken probably a, you know, a little family road trip and just done a little loop of the of the U.S. But, me too, but people don't think like me and you, Jeremy. Thank goodness people don't think like yeah. you and I. Uh, Bottom line is, uh, what, what, what's your take on it? I mean, uh, number, he will bring, he will be an instant presence. You, you have to believe wherever he goes, right? Even though, uh, uh, you know, he's, he'll be showing up in the, at the start of summer. He will be an instant presence, won't you? Won't he be? I mean, yeah, I mean, what, I don't know if instant impact is the right term for him. He has the potential to be that guy. He's too good not to play early uh, yeah. and no matter where he ends up, but, you know, the, the real rub here, Tim, is the way that this schedule is now shaken out, it, it's almost appearing like he's not – unless he's chosen in his mind that he's going to Alabama and then he takes that official visit to, to, to Bama on the 25th through the 27th of June and then enrolls for their classes on the 29th, which I think is, you know, a, a realistic uh, uh, possibility. If, if, he, if that's not his plan, he's not going anywhere until he shows up somewhere in August. So – it's not even like he's showing up for the start of, of summer workouts. He's not going to be able to show up anywhere till fall. Yeah. Uh, and so it does make it a little bit more difficult to get on the field. But, you know, sometimes when you have a talent like that, you just put him out there and let him and let him get loose. And, um, you know, that's some of the intrigue here to the layers of this recruitment that are really causing some, some headaches and concerns for Ohio state. I, I think that they believed that, him coming to Ohio State on the 18th through the 20th put them in a position for him to enroll on classes that begin on the 22nd of June. Right now, the intention is to take the official visits to Oregon and Alabama right after. So 
if, if he takes those visits, he cannot enroll at Ohio State this summer. And if he yeah. can't enroll at Ohio State this summer, then he's got to wait until August. So that's when things get a little bit dicey. Well, you know, you being an intrepid uh, uh, reporter on recruiting uh, goings on, I would encourage you or Spence be at the airport when he gets off the plane, see how many bags he has with it. If you follow my drift, if he's just there for the weekend or for two days, he'll have a little overnight. Uh, if he's if he's got four suitcases, he's moving in. Same place at Tuscaloosa Regional Airport where my dad used to catch flights. Uh, we'd drive up from Demopolis. Be there, man. That's where Nick Saban flew in with all his gear. So uh, it could be very interesting. But, I, you know, I would think that even though summer school starts, like you said, at Ohio State uh, right after his visit, you know, you can late enroll, right? I mean, uh, I know people. I don't know. Gonna... I don't know. I mean, I think that's the question. I mean, there's certainly going to. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. If there's anyone that would have wiggle room, you'd figure Ohio State would, you know, stomp uh, the floor a little bit for that to happen with JT Tuimolau. But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how the registrar's office works at Ohio State, unfortunately. I do know that what the, what the calendar says. Um, and I know there's been some discussion about maybe a shortened summer um, schedule that starts at like the second week of July. That's not what I was told by people that I talked to and trusted Ohio State. They told me that if he's not there by uh, June 25th, then he can't enroll for the summer. So gotcha. uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, um, they could be wrong. I mean, again, I don't know. I mean, I know that you you have heard through the years, Tim, the, the big time football programs always find a way to get the guys in that they want to get in. Yeah. Um, I don't think Alabama is concerned about a June 29th deadline. So, I mean, I don't know if Ohio state wants to, to travel down that road or not. The point is they got to blow him away on the official visit one way or the other, because if you don't go out there and hit an absolute home run on that, that trip and he takes the trips to Oregon or Alabama or whether or not he does, you know, you, you got to hit a home run to, to make yeah. sure that he's even thinking about not going on those trips. Berm, how, uh, how many times, I mean, can you remember, because I'm trying to remember anything going on this late with this quality of a football player. I mean, uh, I, I can't recall it at all. And I'm not, like you just said uh, earlier, this is what you were inferring. I think it's smart of him to not just go somewhere. I mean, remember J.K. Yeah. Dobbins signed with Ohio State and never visited, you know, yeah. or, or you know, committed to Ohio State and never visited. Uh, I mean, that worked out okay for J.K. Dobbins and Ohio State, but – I think it's smart to to at least make a visit. I mean, all you're seeing is things on videos, et cetera. You're seeing these teams play from afar. You're seeing their stadiums, et cetera, from, from afar. But I think it behooves anyone to at least see where they might be moving and get a feel for the place. Uh, and like you said, the pandemic changed everything when it came to recruiting. As, as you guys have documented over the last week or so, where Ohio State's going to have the – you know, this, this week especially is a huge uh, suddenly – uh, huge uh, official visits start yeah. finally after the pandemic and just the, the, the balls in the air that uh, Ohio State Mark Pantone and his group are dealing with. But uh, I can't remember this quality of a player going this late before deciding where he was going. Do you? No, I mean, obviously Terrell Pryor waited until uh, early April, yeah. I believe, or late, late March, early April when he decided. But with Terrell Pryor, it was different because it, it was always sort of Ohio State and him just sort of pushing things off and maybe it was for attention maybe it was he was trying to placate his father who wanted him to look at other schools I don't know um, but Ohio State kind of always knew that where they stood and with yeah. JT2 and Moloa right now 
they've always felt that they're in a good spot. They always feel like, okay, they're in the mix here, but they're, they're the only school he's not visited before. He's been to Alabama before. He's been to Oregon. He's been to USC. He's been to Washington. And so if you look at it from that perspective and say, oh, he's waited this long just to visit Ohio State, then you start to feel like, hey, there's obviously a reason he's waited this long. Um, things that are most important to JTT are getting to the NFL, period. And there's nobody that makes defensive ends into NFL defensive ends better than Larry Johnson. Uh, and so you certainly think that the Buckeyes like the position that they're in heading into this month, but you also know full well that Nick Saban having the final say yeah. is nerve wracking. And that, that's not something any school wants to face. You don't want to be in a position where Nick Saban has the opportunity to, um, to, to get a final word in. Uh, yeah. It's pretty easy for him to recruit at this point. Alabama sells itself. And no player that he's recruited to Alabama hasn't won a national championship if they've been there four years. They constantly are putting, you know, 10, 10 draft picks a year, just like Ohio State. So it's it's all about personality and fit, and it's going to be interesting. I last year Zach uh, Zach Evans, who was the five star running back from uh, Texas, he was late. I don't think he uh, made a decision until he arrived somewhere in June. But that's because a lot of schools weren't sure if they were going to take him. There were some off the field questions and that sort of stuff. And yeah, so that's a different scenario. This is a kid who's just decided, and again, I think extremely smartly, he decided months ago he was just going to be in control of his recruitment. He was not going to allow the conventional timelines, the calendars, the the pressures of, oh, signing day, none of those things matter. He's an 18-year-old young man. He can decide at any time he wants. He doesn't need to sign a letter of intent. He can show up the day before practice starts Correct. if he wants at any yeah. one of these schools, uh, and none of them are going to tell him no. And I think it's a sign of what's really changing in, in not just recruiting, but in college athletics, period. The the power of, of, of the game is in the hands of the player now. And, and you started to see that sort of empowerment happen uh, and that it naturally those things always trickle down. And I don't know that this is something college coaches are going to want to see regularly, but it certainly adds a, a different layer of things. And there is the benefit for Ohio state, Tim, now that that name image and likeness legislation is underway in Ohio and is likely to be passed before July or, or on July 2nd. Now, all of a sudden you have an extra card to play when you're talking to JT Tumaloa, because you know Oregon's doing that with Nike and the opportunities there. You know Washington's doing that with being a hometown hero there in Seattle. Uh, you know that USC is, you know, the California, the, 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 the big-time star power of Los Angeles. So Ohio State obviously has been at the tip of the spear when it comes to branding players and providing this platform over the last few years with Real Life Wednesday, with Brand U, with now the platform that they're working with, uh, with Open Doors. It's just another card to play. And so maybe that timing actually helps Ohio State. Dude, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> I'm sitting here and I'm listening to that last part of that uh, soliloquy you were on there. And I'm just going, that's exactly where I was headed from the standpoint I was going to ask you how much that would help in a, from an attraction standpoint. And you just jumped right in there. That's why you and I get along, I think. Some people think we don't Sympatico. like each other. It is exactly the opposite of don't like each other. <clears throat> Whatever we're that too is. much alike, Tim. That's the yeah. we're too much alike. Yeah, exactly. You're so the way that's it. Maybe it's, me. it's not that we don't like each other; it's that we're like each other. <laughs> but terrifying, I digress. Terrifying to think of. Yeah, real quick though, how much do you think that name, image, and likeness situation is going to play in, in the next month? I'm, mean, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, JT to to Imolavau. I mean, obviously they want him, but they were having all these official visits coming in. They can like at least point to the fact 
of what you're talking about, all of all of the possibilities uh, coming up for them in the name, image, and likeness realm. How much is that going to weigh, you think, in this in recruiting going forward across the country? I mean, it, it's certainly going to be something that's regularly discussed. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, exactly how much to expect Ohio State to be the one pushing it. I think that their I, I, uh, ideal situation would be to answer questions as opposed to using it as a Correct. as a recruiting tool. I think that their I think that their preference would be to be sort of hands off and say, this is what Ohio's legislation says. It says, we can't stop you. So we're here to help you, but we're not here to necessarily push you in a direction. And, you know, I think what's interesting, Tim, is if you can find a way or Ohio State, as they work through uh, this process and work with Open Doors and these other, um, you know, branding uh, companies. Opportunities, yeah. The, the way that they can tie that in with Real Life Wednesdays is going to be very interesting to me because these are these are not necessarily just educational meetings now. These are actually introductory meetings to say, hey, this is Tom. Tom runs Fortune 500 Company A, and now you know him. And, oh, there happen- you know, there's a lot of ways that this can be um, facilitated without Ohio State actually directly promoting the idea that players are going to be getting money for their name, image, and likeness, which they should. I mean, obviously that's, you know, the crux of the entire legislation is that these players should just not be hampered from, yeah. from taking advantage of, of what their success affords them. And um, again, I don't think the Buckeyes are going to be pushing it, but they're certainly going to make sure the kids know this is available to you in Ohio starting July 2nd. And when you're a player like JT Tumoloa or, you know, any five-star type prospect coming out of, out of high school, uh, and I've talked about this with a number of recruits over the years is that there's few places like Columbus, Ohio. I mean, it is, if you talk about uh, the university of Washington is one, uh, the university of Texas is another and Ohio state is probably the third. You're talking college cities. Yeah. These are not, these are not the same as college towns. And I, I know everyone loves Tuscaloosa. Everyone loves Clemson, South Carolina, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Madison, Wisconsin. Those are college towns. This is yeah. a college city. There is a, a whole big world out there. And, and the difference between Los Angeles, for example, with USC and UCLA, nobody cares about football out there. And when you're talking Austin, Texas, Columbus, Ohio, that is a whole different ball of wax yeah. when it comes to the opportunities that are, are coming down the pike for these kids. Yeah, not only that, I mean, I would take – see, I would take Seattle even out of that group and make them 1B – because yeah. you still have, you know, the Seahawks, uh, uh, Major League Baseball, et cetera, there. And uh, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, Ohio State football is not just the biggest game in town. It's the biggest game in the state. When you think about the the, omnip- the om- omniscient, the omnipresence it has uh, around the state of Ohio and, yeah. and regionally. I mean, really, Berm, even nationally, you know, because – uh, Ohio State is definitely a national brand, maybe even international. Now I'm really expanding this. Next thing you know, I'm. Oh, well, I mean, it, it is the largest. signs on the moon, you know, go Bucks. Right. But it is it's the largest. It's the largest alumni base in the country. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't go anywhere without there being an Ohio influence and without Ohio State um, fans. I mean, even talking uh, recently to uh, DJ Ungalale, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the last name and I apologize his okay. father. Yeah. His father, Dave, I mean, you know, Dave was talking about Mateo, his, his sophomore son, who's a top, you know, he's a potential five-star in the class of 2023. And he said, Hey, even in California, even in Los Angeles, there is a ton of Buckeyes fans. They see it all the time. They know that that brand stretches in a different direction than most. And, um, 
it, it's certainly hell go to Phoenix, Arizona and you, you know, it, oh, yeah. it's an Ohio, it's an Ohio state city. So yeah. uh, it, it, it's interesting for kids to see that. And I, I, I think maybe now that you start to look at it from a, how could this benefit me financially? It is difficult to see that now and not immediately tie that to potential dollars. And, and uh, I, as Gene Smith said last week, he was more worried about the fact that it was going to separate the haves from the have nots way more than he was worried about anything else. And I don't see how it couldn't do that. It, it, the, the only thing that's going to happen is schools like Ohio state uh, schools like Alabama, Texas, et cetera, are, are going to absolutely just uh, dominate even more than they have. I mean, crush it's the words you're looking for there. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, you're an Ohio state football player. You can have a name image and likeness situation in San Diego or Scottsdale or, uh, you know, uh, Fort Myers, Florida or wherever. I mean, uh, yep. you, 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 could, you could have a hookup. And so that's where we're headed. What do you think, Jeremy Birmingham? Is college football going to survive this uh, I in, mean, in the way we see college football? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to erode it to the point where we drop the veil of, you know, uh, amateurism to the point where it – but, I mean, I think we, we all know we're heading to like a power five – you know, break away from the rest of, of college football. And, you know, whether it's just the ACC, uh, SEC and big 12, I mean, a big, I mean, it's something's coming. So it, it's yeah. going to be changing. It's we've, we've come too far down the road to stop it now. And, you know, the people who love college football for the, the, the history and the tradition and the, you know, the amateurism, that stuff's still going to be there. They're still going to be the band. They're still going to be cheerleaders, but let's be honest. I mean, you yeah. have, the SEC making $600 million a year. I mean, that, that money is too much and, and it doesn't behoove the Mac or, or the mountain West to try to play in the same sport that they are, because that's just not comparable. So uh, there, there's definitely changes. I mean, it, you know, football is yeah. great no matter what yeah. I, I still watch the NFL. It doesn't, I don't love it the way I've, I've always loved college football, but it's uh, it's changing. The go. times, Tim, they are changing. Uh, you're going to start singing, or you don't have a guitar sitting there, right? Already tuned. It's up. Uh, oh, it's downstairs. Okay. <laughs> it's downstairs. Oh, man. Hey, Jeremy Birmingham, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast. You know, it's always a blast, and I always enjoy talking with you because it's not that we don't like each other, it's that we are like each other, right? I keep, I'm just, I think that's a good way to put it. I think it's the best way to put it. I'm just gearing up for June, man. It's going to be a crazy month on the recruiting trail. 17 official visitors coming this weekend. And uh, upwards of fifty for the entire month. It's there's no, nothing comparable, right? I mean, has there been anything comparable in your lifetime of covering uh, recruiting? To uh, we're no. going to see in the next three weeks. No, I mean, like like Mark Pantone said last Friday. I mean, the, the Buckeyes normally run somewhere between forty-two to forty-four to forty-five official visits for an entire year. Yeah, uh, and they have fifty scheduled for June. So it's it is going to be a madhouse, and I think it's going to actually. I mean, not to keep talking too much, but it's going to actually turn the season into a very interesting discussion because there's going to be a handful of coaches on that, you know, in that locker room that want to bring in, okay, I need to get this guy here. Or I need to get this guy here. There's going to be some battles yeah. over which players are actually worth bringing in for those final 10 official visits uh, and how many of them you hold back for the, for the late bloomers and, and kids that, you know, pop up in California or Georgia uh, or Texas in November. So, um, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch how uh, Mark Pantone and Aaron Dunstan and that recruiting uh, machine figure out a way to, to organize this because it's, it's nothing like I've ever seen before.
Well, I wish I was an Uber driver right now, man. It makes money this next coming weeks, but uh, I digress. Hey, it's never, it's never too late to start, Tim. There you go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Jeremy Birmingham, thanks for joining the Tim A podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, that'll bring to a close another podcast. And I appreciate you folks listening and watching. And until next time, we'll see you then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.